0: Welcome to the One Player Podcast, the show on solitaire board gaming. I'm your host Julius, and this is episode 91. Sanity check, please. Hi, Albert. Hey, Julius. How are you doing? <laughs> doing very well. Uh, uh, just getting into the uh, just getting into things here. Got t- got a ton of stuff going on. Life is exciting. Things going right, left, up, down. Life is life is being very exciting at the moment
1: same here really it's just been really crazy really crazy mm-hmm. i don't know what it is kids in school and my work is busy and all that and it just takes up a lot of time
0: mm mm-hmm. mm mm-hmm. yep 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 and i know that uh you know for me also there's there's been a number of things that have been taking up a bunch of my time i've been uh i don't know if you, i i'm sure i've mentioned it before but i do work for uh, plathead games uh, working and managing their playtest. And I know that we, we have now, we have currently three games that we're doing playtest on and all of them are being very active the last week. And I'm trying to work on some bonus side stuff for, uh, Ashes, um, to, you know, help support my local tournament group and maybe help support other tournament groups. And, uh, so I've been doing a lot of work for Plat Hat the last week and it's been taking a bunch of my time just in addition to everything else. But, uh, oh, wow. I've also been receiving some other interesting games in the mail too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I have got some interesting games coming in the mail. Like what? Uh, Airborne Commander. Did oh, you get a copy yes. of that?
1: I was surprised that showed up Monday.
0: Yeah. Mine showed up on third on Wednesday. Okay. I got a chance to play it Thursday and last night. And yeah, that was a lot of fun. I like that one. Cool, okay. I'm
1: looking forward to trying it. I'm going on um, vacation uh, to Pennsylvania for Thanksgiving, so I've got my briefcase mm-hmm, with some mm-hmm. games in it, and that's one of the ones I'm packing. Mm-hmm. I've also got a,
0: uh, uh, shoot, what's it called? In? Castilian in Pact. Oh, I haven't had a chance to pick up a copy of that. You'll have to tell me how good that one is before I uh, jump in on that one.
1: I am enjoying it a lot. Oh, are you? Yeah, I am. I, am. I think this is one of my favorite uh, universe games.
0: Favorite? Mm-hmm. It's better than Sylveon and Onirum?
1: I I like Onirum a lot, and this one reminds me of Onirum a lot.
0: Hmm, interesting. It it
1: brings back the the memories of of the fun I had with that game when I first started playing it. Interesting. I'm not saying it's the same style of gameplay, but it it, it has the same feeling for me.
0: I mean, for me, I picked up Sylveon, but honestly, I still prefer Onirum over Sylveon by probably a margin, too. So... I was hesitant to look too much into Casillion because I wasn't sure if I'd enjoy it more than I Ram or not.
1: Hmm. I think it's neat. It's a, it's a neat telling game, and
0: there's choices in there to make about uh, as you're playing. And well, should we should fun? we should we briefly talk about uh, Airborne Commander and Casillion? Sure. Let's do so, it. So, with Airborne Commander, the idea of this one is it's actually a deck builder game. Uh, with a fixed objective. So there's going to be two basic decks. Um, there is your, there, there's the, uh, the deck of reinforcements and there's going to be the mission deck. And the idea of airborne commander is that you're with the 101st Legion, um, and they parachuted in behind enemy lines during World War II. And their job was to disrupt German communications and German organization to essentially prevent them from being able to blitzkrieg. So that when they arrived at the battlefield, they'd already be uh, as disruptive as possible and sort of be able be they'd be softened up for the main for the main front. So their idea was just simply to move through enemy lines, just to disrupt and break stuff up. Okay, so they would just parachute in. So the idea of this one is that when you you start, you parachute in, and you have to get through the mission deck, which is you going through all the German lines and just going and messing things up as the Germans are advancing towards the bulk of the Allied forces. And you have the one deck, and each turn you're going to be drawing out until you have four columns of German carts. And you will then draw from, you'll have a player deck, which will be your personal deck, and a reinforcements deck. And you'll draw five cards from the person, from your player deck, and you'll get to deploy those against the German cards. And so you may have a parachuter, or you may have a medic, or a tank, or a jeep, actually, you don't get a tank, you get a jeep you get an airplane strike, and so you get to direct those against the German forces, and you score points if you're able to actually disrupt something. But mostly what you just have to do is you have to keep them engaged so that they can't march and just mass on the main force, because any time that they don't get engaged, they make you draw into your, they make you put into your player deck a disorganized card, which is like a dead card, like a curse card from Dominion. Hmm. And... As you play through it, so you want to not get all the disorganized cards, because if you have to draw all the disorganized cards, the allied forces, the main forces back behind, are completely routed. Because the Germans were able to to keep the, the allied forces back because you couldn't disrupt them well enough. Um, but if you can get through the whole deck and you manage to capture everyone, and you manage to capture a certain amount of points, so you'll be able to total up your points and find out how well you did in actually disrupting things. And it's challenging because throughout the game, your your reinforcements opportunities, so there's four cards you get to buy from every turn. I found I didn't often get to buy stuff, and I often wanted to buy stuff because it's hard to buy stuff and still lock down things and keep moving through. It's a very difficult game to do. The The only problem I'd have with it is that it doesn't have any way of tweaking how difficult it is, because there's only one difficulty setting, but from... from the way I'm understanding it, that difficulty setting is hard. <laughs> okay. So far, my high score is a half a point. Wow. Doesn't sound that too is high. it. <laughs> no, that is not too high. That's my, that's my high score. is a half of a point. Um, so granted, I've not gotten a lot of plays with it, but it's a lot of fun.
1: I'm, I'm really enjoying cool, this Cool, okay. I look forward to trying it. Now, could, could you maybe tweak the difficulty by starting with fewer
0: of uh, the disruption cards in your deck? Because I think you start with three, don't you? You start with three in your deck, and you can add more to your deck to tweak the difficulty. Um, I suppose you could. It's not in the rules. That's that's it's uh, that that would just be a variant if you wanted to do something like that.
1: Okay. There's
0: nothing in the rules that allow you to tweak it.
1: Gotcha. Okay.
0: If if I ever decide that I'm breezing through and I feel like increasing the difficulty, fine. Then I'll do that. But Sounds currently, like that's a while away, I'm still. not having to breeze.
1: <laughs> Okay, well, well, and the uh, Castilian is another fun game. I like that. That's also a very quick game. Plays really fast. In this game, you're, you're building a tower of tiles. It's, this is a tile laying game actually, and in a way, it reminds me of Bejeweled in that you're playing the the card the tiles based on the shapes on them. There's either squares, triangles, or circles, and you're laying them on the on the grid that you're building, a six by six grid. And With certain restrictions that you can't have two of the same shape next to each other. And, and a couple other rules around how you're laying them out. And your goal is, is almost Tetris-like in that you're trying to make shapes. You're trying to make lines, squares, vertical lines, horizontal lines, or squares of of four shapes in a row. And that's basically what the game is. Each turn you draw a tile and you place it somewhere in the grid. There, there are, of course, bad things in, there, in the game. Um, there's some tiles you draw. I forget what they're called that are after you draw a few you have to basically score the game there's three scoring rounds um there so are three stages and if you have not built the shapes needed for each stage at e- at the point where you're you're there you lose the game so really it's just going through all the tiles and building it and the basic game is very straightforward and then there's a um, ways to simplify each scenario and make it harder there's two options for each for each uh, level there's an introductory game and then there's a intermediate game and then a difficult game. And each has maybe not calling it difficult, but more complex. And each <laughs> has a way to make it simpler advanced. and more complex.
0: An advanced game, you'd advanced say an advanced
1: game, yep. Yeah, that's right. Thank you. With some
0: extra advanced rules that you don't need to know in the base game.
1: That's right. And they definitely add to the complexity. Which again,
0: not that I'm emphasizing what advanced game means, but they, advanced means there's some extra rules that you don't need in the base game.
1: That's right. And and okay. that means more complexity and more choices, which are fun, but definitely, you know, you don't want to jump straight into that. And and, and the game is fun. You know, it's like all the other Onlyverse games. As you add different layers, you know, the, the complexity and the choices, the number of choices increase. At first, when you're playing the tiles, you could choose to play a tile on the board, or if you don't want it, you could discard it, keeping in mind that you only have a certain number of tiles and you have to to build a certain number of shapes before the end of the game. So if you discard your tiles, you're not going to do it. Um, Later on, as you add other options, the tiles you discard give you abilities. If you discard a green tile, it lets you draw another tile from the discard. If you discard one of the blue ones, it lets you flip up four of the tiles that you haven't drawn yet and then draw from those four in any order you want so you know what's coming. Um... The yellow one lets you swap tiles, and the red one destroys an existing tile. So they all give you different ways to to manage the game. And and it becomes more interesting. It becomes a lot harder. Uh, I'm definitely enjoying this game and finding it very, very challenging.
0: Very good. Mm Mm-hmm.
1: Right. Um, You have to to watch
0: the play of it, I think. Say that again? I think we have to watch the play of it to really understand it.
1: Yeah, yeah. I kind of rush the explanation. I mean, the short of it is it's a tiling game, and, and there's a lot of choices in how you lay the tiles, and, and what you're trying to do is make patterns.
0: And who's the bad guy in that one?
1: Oh, I don't remember his name now. I don't remember. Oh. He's a yellow meeple this time, I think. A yellow meeple? No, is he purple?
0: I don't have any idea. <laughs> Clearly, you don't play with him. I've
1: no, I actually I have been in the, in the. The one I'm having trouble with now, in the intermediate level, if you play with him, you have a, a second go, which is you have to surround him by building tiles. So when you're placing tiles, you can either choose it to play on your grid or choose it to put it around him. And if you haven't surrounded him by the end of the game, you'd lose. you lose. You have to do that to also win. And that's what I've been working at. And it's tricky. Every time you place a tile around him... The shape has to be different than the one next to the one you're placing it
0: very cool mm-hmm It is. Yeah, i'll have to take, I'll have to take a look at this one
1: right so do we have any any news this time?
0: Well, there's one piece of news that I actually meant to mention in the last one uh and totally forgot about I, I, do you read much fiction um not as much as I used to at all. I listen to audiobooks, though you listen to audiobooks mm-hmm. Have you ever heard of Harry Dresden? I have heard of Harry Dresden yes. You have heard of Harry Dresden. Dresden so, Files, yes. Right. I'm a I'm a big fan of the of Harry Dresden. And also Jim Butcher, just as an author. I've I've read uh, all the stuff he's written, it's all very good, and I do definitely recommend it. I know he just came out with a new series, which is a sort of sting punk-ish, um, which my sister really likes because all the cats in the game are highly intelligent, which is uh, great fun to her. <laughs> um Sweet. but uh so she she was playing. So excuse me. So with this Harry Dresden. So Harry Dresden is uh, in the genre of called urban fantasy, which is there's basically you take magic and wizards and warlocks and demons and werewolves and all that stuff and you put it in modern day cityscapes, and that's what the Dresden Files are. So it's a set of series, a set of books centering around a wizard in modern day world whose name is Harry Dresden. And there's going to be released from Evil Hat Games, the Dresden Files Cooperative Card Game. Oh, neat. Yeah. I have no other details about it other than it's going to be a cooperative card game in the Dresden Files universe. Um, but the, at the very least, that's of big interest to me because that sounds very cool. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, <laughs> um, I went. I went ahead and spoke with them about solo play, and they said that currently they don't have anything for solo play other than running multiple hands. Um, so you play as multiple players, but I'm okay with that. Uh, the The idea of the game, from from what they told me, is that you have essentially you're playing through like sort of a mini novel. Is the idea it's it's not straight out of the books; it's just a bunch of events. But the idea is you play through a story. And you're trying to you'll you'll have the one die roll that will be a minus one, a zero, or a plus one, um, which is essentially a fate die because um, Evil Hat Games did previously come out with the Dresden Files RPG, which was based on the Fate system, which is only a minus blank or plus side, so it's not a d6. Um, but what you're doing is you're trying to use your resources to try and deal with whatever it is that's coming out at you and get through the whole story in one piece and oh it sounds very cool to me so i i they they said that they'll get me more information once it's uh once it becomes more public and i'm sure you'll be hearing more about that because i am interested oh cool okay yeah that sounds interesting
1: i I was using fate dice the other day actually for what um i bought a, a game called happy birthday robot it's, yeah, it's a storytelling game or a very light RPG intended to be played with kids. Mm-hmm. And the whole premise is that it is the robot's birthday and we're going to build a story together. And so each turn, the, the player rolls the fate die, or I was using fate dice. You roll dice and, but, or blanks. So two sides would say and, two would say but, and two would be blank. So the the fate dice were perfect for that. And basically oh, yes. the number of rank blanks a person rolls is how many words they put in their sentence and and you build sentences, and the other people could add words to the sentences with the ands or the buts. And, and you keep going around like this for a number of turns until you've basically made 20 words using the blanks. And you build a story.
0: And, and do you have any limit on what you can make with the blanks or any word you want?
1: You know, as long as it makes grammatical sense, that's okay. And, okay. and you know, if you're playing with little kids, I, I wouldn't worry about that too much. My kids are at an age where, where they need to work on their grammar, so this was perfect. Um, and the the sense the stories are just goofy. <laughs> it was a robot's birthday, and he went on a bike ride and crashed or something, and then caught fire, but he rebooted it and so on. <laughs> and and it does work solo. There's apparently a solo variant in there, so maybe at some point I'll talk more about it. It's Very cool. A, yeah, it's a neat little game. As a matter of fact. Happy Birthday Robot is also by uh, Evil Hat Productions. Evil Hat Games? Well, in the RPG side, they're productions, I guess. I don't know.
0: Well, yeah, I know that. I think that mostly they do um, role playing games. I think they do just a couple of the other ones. Yep. Um, I don't think they have anything else solo yet. <laughs> but that's okay. Uh, BGG has a
1: picture of the card game up, of the cover of it.
0: Yes. I think that the cover is. Just one of the, a picture from one of the, um, from one of the covers of the book. I uh, think okay. it, I think it's straight out of the cover of one of the books because I know that uh yeah, if you've read the books before, so Dresden in the books never actually wears the hat that he always has in the in the covers of the books. He never <laughs> wears funny. that hat, and yet the artist of the books continues to put him in that hat <laughs> because it looks good but that he never wears great. that hat but he never does he wear other hats <laughs> he does not wear hats he does that not wear great. hats i love that but I they continue that. putting him in hats for the cover of the book so evil hat has said we're going to put the hat in the evil hat and dresden is not going to wear the hat for the cover of the game because he doesn't wear a hat <laughs> <laughs> so i I heard that they said that i it's like yeah this is this is not just someone who's like making a buck off of the off of the um series this is someone who really cares about it and I mean, if you've read the role playing game files for the Dresden files, if you're into it, you could tell they are they are well into the series because it's very very cute what it is that they do with it um because the idea of the role playing game is that. The you're playing as Harry Dresden and other people, so you can pick up anyone else in the Dresdenverse. But the book is being written as if it was a standard role-playing game for people who didn't actually know that all of this is real. And there's notes in the margin where Harry says, people are never going to believe in this sort of stuff. And the peop- <laughs> the authors write in response, but it's real, so they really should believe in it. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. So, it's it's sort of like uh, it's 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 a funny way of doing it, and it's very cute. It's very fun. Mm-hmm. So, very neat. Okay. All right, and that's it
1: for the news. I don't um, think so. I, think I, I, I got something else. It. What did I get? Between two cities. I got that a while ago. I just got it the
0: other day, but I haven't tried it out yet. Oh, you should. It's fun. I got that a while ago. Because I backed it on Kickstarter. You didn't back it on Kickstarter? Mm-hmm. No, I backed on Kickstarter. I got it a while ago. Okay. It's good fun. Good fun. Um. So, speaking
1: of Kickstarter, we should uh, do our Kickstarter report. I think there's a couple games we want to talk about. There are a couple games we want
0: to talk about. Most of which we don't know anything about yet. Well, one of them I know a bunch about um let's talk about the one that i know a bunch about first this one is called role player uh quote the dice game that builds character let me go ahead and send you a link albert i have seen that one you have seen that one have you seen that one i've seen it briefly you've seen it briefly well it's got a ton of dice the game comes with 73 dice and these are multicolored dice so if you like dice it has a lot of dice the okay. idea the idea of this one is that you are a blank character before a role playing game and by role playing I mean R O L E even though the title of the game is R O L L so you get the pun cuz you're rolling dice mm. in a role-playing Oh yeah game. that's very
1: funny
0: very punny very punny <laughs> um but anyway so you're at before role playing game and you're rolling up your characters and so the idea of the game is that you're rolling up characters over the course of the game, over this game, in order to have the strongest, best character who has the most points. And the idea of the game is you'll start, for instance, you can be an elf ranger or a dwarf monk or whatever it is. So you pick a character sheet, you pick a class, you pick a backstory, you pick an alignment. And each one of those has the possibility for getting you points. There are market cards that you'll deal out. And each market card is different things. So you can have abilities like knowledge or cunning or weapons like a longbow or a staff or a sword. And you can have armor, mystic armor, leather armor. And all that stuff is in the, is in the market cards. And uh, so as you're playing through it, what happens is you first you start and you take out a certain amount of dice from the bag and it depends upon how many player count and you'll roll those dice you'll then get to if you're playing the multiplayer game you'll select one of the dice and you put it on your character sheet and then you get to to do whatever special thing happens based on where you put it because there's six mm-hmm. attributes there's strength dexterity intelligence wisdom charisma and one more other one. Intelligence? Constitution, I said intelligence. Constitution. And so each one of them does something different, like it'll let you flip a die, or swap a die, or add one or minus one to a die, and various other things. So each one will let you do something different. Um... And so you get to pick the dice that you want. And so you'll then put on your board and let that do things. After you've picked dice, you then get to buy stuff from the market phase. And so the stuff from the market phase may give you extra abilities or extra point scoring opportunities. Discard in cards that weren't drawn, so it's an open draft. And then move on and then roll more dice and pick more dice until you've filled up your whole board. And then you score points at the end. Very much about points. Mm hmm. Okay. So so when you're playing with the, uh, solo game, the way it works is, uh, you take one character for the AI. And so based upon, so you'll, once again, you'll put out three dice. And based upon which number die you take, if you take the first, second, or third, you'll roll the AI die. And based upon what role you do for the AI die determines which car from the market the AI takes and when he takes it. And which die he takes, the initiative when he takes it. And so your goal, you don't have to keep track of anything for the AI player. You just have to keep track of your score. And so whatever score it is that you get, even after he keeps taking your stuff, is what you'll get at the end of the game. So it's not completely, it's its not, you're not going against the AI um unlike in a previous game by this one, because this is also made by the same person who did Bullfrogs, which I'm a big fan of. I really like the Bullfrogs. Mm-hmm. But in Bullfrogs, there's the other player that you're actually trying to beat. And even though it's not hard to beat him, he does mess with you and he does interact with you. And this one, he doesn't really interact with you so much. He just takes away some of the market cards and some of the dice based upon his role um, and stuff. So, yeah.
1: Yeah, that sounds neat. That sounds neat. And... Uh You know, I wonder if you could use this to play D&D afterwards, roll up a character.
0: I I don't think you really should because your (laughs) characters all start really powerful. Because usually you're going to be coming up with characters who have like an 18, a 16, a 15, a 2, and 2. For example. (laughs) So this this is you're really gonna have a mid maxed character with like six different pieces of armor, three different weapons, a ton of abilities. Yeah, it doesn't really work to actually play D and D afterwards. You're you're just gonna have far too powerful of a character if you were to try such a thing. Um but yeah. So um just for uh you know, disclaimer, I did play test this game. So I was one to play Terceros of this game, uh, which is why I did get a mention for it as a preview reviewer, um, because I did get a chance to play through it initially. Oh, okay. Um, I know that for me, the only—I re- mean, this is this can be a very mathy game because essentially, when you put dice down, you're trying to make sure that you keep track of how much you have in each spot and where you want to put it. It's like you get a four. And you're like, well, I could put the four here and reach 16, and maybe I'll get up to the 18 with the other die that I get. But if I put it here, maybe I can move this one here and move this around. Then I'll have 12 here, or I can get the two. And so it requires a a fair amount of math to be able to keep track of. Okay, it sounds like the sort of thing I like, actually. Oh, okay. (laughs) So then, so then you may like that. There's, there's a lot of math. If you're, if you're into math and you're into trying to keep a complex arrangement of numbers and where everything goes in your mind, then this one may very well be for you. Neat. Okay. For me personally, I really appreciated the play of the game. I thought it was a very good game. But for me, the math did get difficult at times. Um, and also for me personally, I thought the theme was just really a tired theme personally.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, upset. This one is just about rolling up the characters.
0: It is about rolling up the characters, but for me, it was it's just very bland. You don't really get any story from them. You're not doing it. It's not like you're actually playing through a game of Descent, which is all the excitement of the conflict and that. But this one, it really turns kind of abstract because you're not really rolling up characters. You're just getting point-scoring opportunities. Mm-hmm. See, it and sounds the like theme- there's
1: going to be a second game after this one that you then use your characters. Some yeah. like
0: expansion or something. I mean if you could. hmm. If you could. But I mean that's just more a matter of the of the theme of the game. I thought the game itself actually was was a really a good game in the the drafting. If you like the drafting and you like the math, then I think you will like this one because it was okay. it was a lot of fun.
1: I'll check it out. And if you if you back this one for seventy dollars, you get the game and you get bullfrogs with a solo expansion. Yeah. Which is neat.
0: But otherwise, it's forty five dollars just for the game.
1: Yep, and there's a print and play option, also for fifteen dollars.
0: Yes, which is what we play tested from. <laughs> okay.
1: So if you get the if you get the game, it brings a bunch of extra dice you wouldn't need for the one player version.
0: No, you don't need that many dice. Okay. I think that you can do with. I think it's forty three or something. I think he said for just the solo version. Um, but you still need a bunch of dice. Okay. I mean, it's it's a big old pile of dice. At the very least, it's a big old pile of dice that you could use for just about anything because they're standard That's D6s. Uh, okay. They're not custom dice at all. They're standard D6s. And also, just to make mention of it, I, I don't know if you're looking at the card art now. This is done by John Arioso, um, who also has done... Uh, art for Mice and Mystics. He's done art for uh, Bullfrogs. So it's really, you know, I, I really like Ariosa's style for the art. It looks really nice.
1: Okay, cool. I really like the art in Bullfrog a lot. I like the um, the way that you put the cards together and they make a picture
0: right. for each player. That was just right. great. That was a really right. nice touch. Right. So yeah, he, it's the it's the same artist in this one. So Okay. He got it there and I think he got it here. So that's Bullfrogs.
1: And how much time do you have left? 18 days of recording, so probably about a week and a half. It ends and on December 11th.
0: Yeah. I think we normally just say when it ends because who knows when it is that we oh, drop.
1: Yeah. yeah, no, I'm not thinking straight. That's okay. It's
0: Ooh, late. you played Agricola. So can...
1: And Julia sent me a game called Brilliance. Reliance. Brilliance.
0: Brilliance brilliant. Ooh, a Game About Ants. Game About Ants. With a ton of components. Oh my (laughs) gosh. That is a ton. Right. This is brilliant. And I I really like their their picture. They have a picture on their Kickstarter page with what's in the box. And they have a table filled with components. And it really makes it look like, wow, that's a lot of components. It is. That's... Looks like a good... 100 and something counting, yeah. I have no idea. It probably says at one point in time. Let's see here. It's 90 resource tiles, 78 objective cards, 51 special cards, four big hexagonal tiles, 20 empty ground tiles, three predator miniatures. Hmm. Minis! You have the worm, the grasshopper, and the spider. Oh, boy, the worm. My wife would love that worm. (laughs) worms aren't so bad grasshoppers are well in my in my semistics i don't know if i told you about this yeah, but there's the centipede that has yep. the rearing up like it's gonna be a snake to strike at you and she hates that one <laughs> she cannot be around it she wants it out of her house which always makes me sad because my is a good game <laughs> very sad and it looks like they've even actually unlocked, I oh don't know, they haven't unlocked quite yet the other runs, but uh, they're very close to unlocking some more ant miniatures. So they'll have actual ant miniatures for the, ant, for the ants. Okay.
1: So for this game, I mean, I don't know much about the play, but somebody mentioned uh, a reviewer, Tyler Anderson from Beauty and Meeple, says if you like Takenoko, you're definitely going to like this one because it's a similar feel.
0: Yeah, for this one, I mean, it's a, it's a relatively simple to play game from my understanding because there's only three, act, three things you can do on your turn. You can move an ant, you can move a predator, or you can give birth to a new ant. And so what you do is you have various colony objectives. And so your goal is to try and fulfill the colony objectives to get points. Sort of similar, I, I guess it's sort of similar to Takinoka where you have those colony objectives. And, um, so, yeah you're trying to keep the calendar scripts. now then also it has the day and night system so some of your cardboard tiles some of the things will do different things during the day and the night so okay. you you may not have access to all of your cards and so you have also extra yeah, access to these special cards that you take special actions that you can do things with
1: and it looks like it will have more minis if they reach or they already have minis unlocked
0: Well, I'm not sure because it's at currently it's not officially unlocked, but it's it's probably going to be unlocked soon, because they they're they're not very far into it. Then they still have 19 days to go, and they've already got they've already more than doubled their their ask, so they're they're doing pretty well.
1: Nice. Okay. I don't like the art so much in this one. It's very cute. The ants are very cute, and it's cartoony. like, the ants are wearing clothes and reading books and stuff. Mm-hmm. And so it's a, it's a, it looks very lighthearted. It's pretty art. But yeah, I wish we were more
0: serious about it, ants. It is. I mean, one one other interesting thing to note is that, uh, unlike Takinoko, I think, is that there's actually different levels of complexity in the rules. So you can have child-friendly rules or you can have really gamery rules. Which looks like it okay. should be nice. But I hear what you're talking about with the art. It it does look it does look kind of childish. But I, I think that's I think that's where they're going for is they're trying to be very family friendly Wait, with it. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Sneeze, you know, with okay. the smiling sun and the smiling moon.
1: <laughs> yeah, even even the the villains, those bugs look cute. The
0: the worm actually looks silly. Well, I mean, you want to talk about you want to talk about silly. Scroll down to the last picture on the page. <laughs> I didn't see that. On the last picture of the page is there's a man dressed in a giant ant suit with wearing a helmet and holding a sword up, sort of just waving hello at the game.
1: <laughs> a giant life size ant, human sized ant. That's cool. But the ant has a nice game shelf behind him.
0: Yeah, it seems he does. <laughs> Indeed, no picture is complete without showing off a game shelf. <laughs> That's great. Okay. So just for the vital stats on this one, um, this one costs, let's take a look at it. This one is $49 for a copy of it, and it's going to be ending on December 12th. Mm, okay. And it's got a couple minis in it. I don't know. I'm not so, I don't know. I mean, take a look at the minis also. These are really simple minis. I mean, even just talking about it, these are not the highly detailed minis that we see on some other campaigns. You know, like, for example, look at the, I mean, just, you know, sort of just look yeah, at them. They're yeah, very childlike. They're very, they're very, very childlike. Very basic. These are not highly detailed.
1: Well, neat. Okay.
0: I mean, That's not to, to compare back to Takinoko since they compared it. It's not like Takinoko, which has a pretty detailed and colored mini. These don't look like they're painted. Oh, does it? I haven't played Takinoko. Yeah, Takinoko's panda is colored. And I know that they actually just recently also came out with an expansion, which has a, has a mommy panda with a dress and <laughs> an umbrella, which is also colored and, and pretty detailed. Wow, okay. And then I remember I, get, I, I opened up with my sister and she claimed that there was gender inequality with the pandas because the mommy panda got a dress, but the daddy panda's naked. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know, yes. that's the way cartoons are.
0: Yes, very true. Mm-hmm. Very true. So that's brilliant really ants. That's like brilliant, but brilliant ants. Brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> Neat. They're very smart ants. That is that one. I'm going to give you a link to the next one. Oh, No Hope. No
1: Hope City. This is a grim-looking game. There's bloodstains on the cover.
0: So, No Hope City is a co-op game which takes one to eight players. It's a co-op card game. Uh, Survival, post-apocalyptic, you're attempting to survive death. Let's see. How does it play? Quote. It plays as a comparison of as a combination of this war of mine and Munchkin. Oh boy, Munchkin, <laughs> Munchkin. Why did we go here? This is Munchkin. Who sent me this link? <laughs> Who funny. did this? You know, I feel bad for Munchkin because it, I mean, it's apparently. I don't feel a bad, lot bad for Munchkin. Game. But anytime somebody compares something to Munchkin, it, it, yeah, it gets bad. I don't... But yeah, you don't want to really... I mean, if you to really get people excited about it, I don't know if comparing, comparing it to Munchkin is a good idea. Because I think that people probably get tired of Munchkin very quickly.
1: I know. Some people love Munchkin.
0: Some people do love Munchkin. So, so this does would, this
1: game have zombies, though?
0: I would assume it has zombies. Look, Let's see here. You get to play rounds. You search for food. And so you'll flip over cards to see if you get something good or bad who knows if you do and do you have any control of that doesn't look like it it's just random so yay for just random
1: oh here we go it it, it is not a zombie game but if they reach $50,000 they will add a zombie expansion lovely they said he had he said he had no intention of making another zombie game
0: but is that really right the extent of- is that really the extent of the gameplay des- uh, description it's, here it's flip a card great. and see if it's good or bad <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. Here. Let's. What's an example of a card? Event. It's a trap. The player that revealed this card takes three damage. Reveal cards from the washing district until you reveal an enemy. You must face the enemy. Shuffle the other cards back into the stack. It sounds like a
1: very light game.
0: Sounds like a very light game. This sounds. This sounds like it's just like Munchkin. <laughs> <laughs> it does the the chef? You had a dream. You own a restaurant to the ability at the end of each day, the first food card used is worth two. Nine health points. Hit points. It sounds like a co-op version of Munchkin, where you have absolutely no control over what's going on. Mm-hmm. Well, it's okay. two days in and they've raised
1: $2,000. So it's likely to fund... It's only... I I, I
0: make no promise if it's actually likely to fund. Let's see, what does KickTrack think about being likely to fund or not? Does KickTrack, after two days, think it's likely to fund? Are you familiar with KickTrack?
1: Yes, I am. I don't use it often, but I remember it.
0: KickTrack says it's likely to fund.
1: See, they back me up.
0: This is true. They do back you up. KickTrack says it's likely to fund, but it's Munchkin, so... You make a decision. (laughs) (laughs) So
1: you could get the game for $35 and the funding date is December 21st right before Christmas. Wow.
0: Albert says I'm steering this one away. We're done talking about it. Okay. That's what Albert says.
1: That's what I said. Yep. Straight out of my mouth. Did you not link? You sent me the same one.
0: I did not. And the next one is No Hope
1: City.
0: (laughs) Lies, lies, lies. (laughs) Next one is Nina and Pinta. Nina and Pinta. Quote, New World Exploration meets Quantum Physics for one to four players. Say what? Quantum Physics? First thing I see upon opening this board is a picture of the world where it looks like you have... North America and South... I'm sorry, North America and South America in triplicate across the world. Hmm. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? What kind of world is this?
1: And this is by the Ragnar Brothers.
0: Do you know them? What, uh, what yeah, else do they I've heard do? heard
1: of them. Yes, they have made many games. They did... Like uh, what? Oh, gosh. I can't think of anything. I Didn't
0: challenge I... you now. Just a moment. Um... First and they talked
1: about this on the one player guild they mentioned it they did the game DR Congo that was on Kickstarter Oh which I've never or played last year earlier this year was by them
0: I've never played it
1: I will tell you they've done a lot of other games they did Angola a war game um, Blooming Gardens which my friend has it comes in a tea towel very okay. neat Fire okay. and Axe a Viking
0: Saga okay Canal Mania okay Well, I have to excuse the board now because I'm reading a little bit more. It appears that what happens is you don't keep that map. What happens is you take these land tiles and you put the land tiles across and you fill up the map. So you'll come up with some very interesting-looking little uh, pieces here going on. Okay. I don't know how... I guess that there's one, two, three, four, five, six options because it looks like what it is is that each, there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven potential spaces that you can have stuff. And I guess looking at it, each one of those spaces can really only take that specific type of thing. Um, so you won't be able to mix it up. And It looks like there's six options for each space and you're going to use three each turn. I'm guessing. I'm guessing just from looking at it.
1: hmm And they did talk about this on the one-player guild. I think they mentioned that um, they tested it a lot solo, and so decided to make a solo expansion because of that.
0: Hey, I'm always happy to see. I mean, the, the, yeah. I'm always happy to see that. I know that I've picked up recently an idea that I really don't want to really back a game personally, unless I see that there's been some good testing going on. You know, just just to keep just to keep the sanity of the game, because there's some of the games that I just feel they really needed better testing done. So hearing that it had more testing done is always good. I don't know if I'm so convinced with this one because there's no one on the comment section saying that they play tested it. I know with other ones I've seen that people come out of the content comment section and say, Yeah, we tested it, it was awesome. Or they say somewhere that they tested it. Where on the one player guild did they say something about this?
1: There's a forum thread on it. They posted a forum thread on it about a week or two ago. The, the Ragnar brothers themselves. One of them did.
0: Let's take a look. Uh,
1: Amazingly, The One Player Guild has so much stuff going on all the time. A post from a week ago will be a couple pages back
0: already. Nina Pinta. I see Nina it.
1: And P- Nina and Pinta rules and video. I see it, but I and don't then, see that they the said
0: they playtested play. it. I found I it. it under the news section of the One Player Guild. But I don't see that they said they playtested it. And I don't see them saying, yeah, we playtested it. Thank you to so much to all of our playtesters.
1: They, maybe I read in another thread at some point, but I know they've talked about playtesting their stuff.
0: It may be. Maybe,
1: maybe I'm wrong. I don't know.
0: But let's see if I can figure out how it is, because they've posted up the new the the basic rules for it. So let's see, what are the phases of the game? Phase 1, establish the new era. You get grow build tokens, some gold. You get to load ships, sail around the board, do pirates, get to build towns, mm-hmm. and then you keep going. So it looks like you're doing civilization in a in a um ship type area where you get to sail around and explore and build up cities and things. It looks like there's pirates. What do the pirates do? Pirates. Oh, pirates, it looks like get, to get you take from other people? Oh. Let's try this again.
1: Uh, it looks like it's on a cloth map.
0: Neat. When, when you're a pirate, you get to place the pirate ship on any compass, and then you get to take back gold from that ship. I guess that just lets you do stuff. Let's see here. Solo. When you're doing the solo game, you do the same thing. Uh You need all your pieces. The opponent gets a pirate ship and a turn order marker. I mean, it looks like they're attempting, from briefly reading through this, it does look like they're attempting to make a solo game that focuses and mimics the multiplayer game. And you get to total your points... Separately, so you have new world points and old world points, and then the opponent gets to combine them together. And so you're actually trying to, to determine whether or not you've beat your opponent. So this is this is not a point scoring game, even though it seems like there are points. It's not a points scoring race. It's raced against an actual opponent, and it looks like it's attempting to mimic the multiplayer game, which does appear to be complicated.
1: Okay, there is a there's a solo playthrough video on BGG, so you might want to check that out. It's on the games
0: page. Yeah, I did see that, but there's no real summary. I mean, looking at the, the components that they show, I think the only components that they show what they want to do with them. Do they list out all the other components? You said it's got a cloth map, but I don't see a list of components. Um, oh, there it is. What's in the box? I, I saw it in the rules. Cloth map. 35 tiles, markers, discs, benefits, benefits, playing pieces. But what are the playing pieces going to look like? (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) I don't know what the playing pieces are going to look like. It looks like they're going to upgrade them at one point in time to be wooden. Because part of their stretch goals are to change stuff to wooden. So I assume that right now all the playing pieces are just chits. But they don't tell you. Mm-hmm. Why don't they tell you? You know else they don't tell you on the main page at least. They don't tell you how many pe- how many players it is for. It did say it somewhere. Uh, There's a top one through oh four wonderful players. players right. Look right there. Never mind that. They put it right at the top. Okay, fine. They do put it there. They just don't yeah with-
1: Now I I know these guys the the Ragnar brothers. Publish, you know, design and publish their own games, and they've been doing it for a while, a small, very independent group. So it's the sort of thing I think where, where, once the game is published and done, I don't think they suddenly reprint it a lot, unless somebody else happens to pick it up later. Which did happen with Fire and Axe.
0: Have you played Fire and Axe?
1: Nope, but I know it's out again. It's uh, at my friendly local game store every time I've been there. Uh, my friend Tim has pointed it out. But I have not picked it up. Okie dokie? Mm, yeah, sorry. So the game... How much does this one cost? One copy to to EU, it's about 40 pounds, which is about 60 US dollars.
0: It's $53 It's fifty-three for a copy of Nina Pinta. Well, one it's copy
1: 53 dollars. sends you to US address is... 50-
0: 45 pounds 68 dollars oh you're adding shipping
1: i'm not adding shipping this is what i'm seeing
0: on the pledge page i'm looking at the pledge page and it's the second pledge is 53 dollars for a copy of and pinta where does it say to uk that's oh, okay the UK, fine to yep. uk 60 dollars oh man why do they do that because they're from the UK. yeah but you can add in i assume that the reason why they're doing that is because of shipping let's see if it's actually because of shipping um, but you do have the ability with Kickstarter to have it automatically apply different amounts of shipping based upon which area the backer is from. And that way you don't have to have a separate pledge reward level for each area, which makes it simpler. And you want to people who do like me and almost accidentally click the first pledge and not realize, oh, that's only two UK addresses. <laughs>
1: I prefer when it's separate. I, I don't like to be surprised by the uh, shipping price later. I hear you. That's back me That's me off of backing a back in the project once or twice.
0: I hear you. I don't know. I think I back off the project regardless of what that. I see it in the beginning or I see it <laughs> at the end. All right. So when's this one
1: end? Um, t- December 16th.
0: So that's Nina and Pinta. And that's Kickstarter, isn't yes, it? Yes, it is. So give me a drum roll. Whatever it is that we use for that. Very good, very good.
1: Let's hear that or I'm purring. Very special. <laughs> yeah, I got a copy of that word game I told you about. I haven't played it yet, so I'm going to play it on vacation and probably stick something okay. in, in the middle
0: okay. of the show. You're gonna stick something in the middle of this show. mm Mhm. Okay. Which word game? Which word game are you talking about?
1: Word right. It's a card game where you build words from word parts. It's 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 just a card game, and you you play a card and it'll be a fragment of a word, and then you play another card, and it's another fragment of the word, and so you build words that way. Oh, it's on Kickstarter now. Is it now? Well, let's take a look at it real quick. Thirty-five days to go.
0: Is it is a solo game?
1: It it's got solo rules in it, it's multiplayer or or solo. The game box r- brings four four different rules in it, and I think two of the games are solo. I like
0: the I like the font style for the words. Actually, that's a nice font style. Yes. It is really—it's a really pretty game. Make big words in a like unique it. way using build, uh, better building blocks and an innovative card game system. Formidable, reitport. I like the fonts. It's—it's it's this pencil-drawn, um, filled-in art for the mm-hmm. fonts. They picked a good font. Very, mm-hmm. very fitting. Very suitable. How does it play?
1: I have not played it yet. There's four different ways to play, four different games you could play out of the box. Um, but you're basically playing cards to build words. Um, you put two cards together, and it makes a word. But there's a couple of things, like you could change a letter on the word. So for example, if one of the parts of the word is T-I-O-N, like shun, like at the end of a word, like caution or fraction, you could, you could remove a letter or you could change a letter. Kay. So you could change a T to an S. Maybe combining with something else to get compassion. Interesting. So, so there's a little bit of freedom, and then there's th- different ways to play. The one that I'm really looking forward to trying is it's a pyramid game. You lay the cards out in, as a pyramid layout, and then you're trying to remove the cards from the pyramid to finish the game. Anyway. Interesting. mm Hmm. It really does sound interesting.
0: Interesting. I like the card art. Nice, nice, uh, vibrant, vibrant art. So this is one of the ones that doesn't need any better art than this. It's just words.
1: That's right. So, so, I got a review copy, and I will play it now when I'm on vacation in Pennsylvania and talk about it and stick it in this episode of the show and you people will know what I think
0: interesting looking forward to hearing that the addendum
1: all right all right, and it is on Kickstarter right now and it's it's a it's a deck of cards, so it's pretty cheap I think it's us uh, see here fifteen oh, dollars
0: fifteen dollars and it ends on december twenty eighth so it's got a while to go. And that's that,
1: that includes shipping anywhere in the world. Yeah. No. Oh no. Free shipping in the U.S. Five for Canada. Seven for the rest of the world. All right. So this is Albert, and I have a little bit of a sidebar here. I am talking about the game Word This is a game. It's basically a deck of cards uh, to to play word game with word games. It is uh designed by. Uh, Define Mind Games, and it is currently on Kickstarter. Now, Define Mind Games are really nice, and they sent me a copy of this. Um, it's, it's a deck of cards. It basically it's uh, 52 cards plus two wild cards, and each card has a word fragment on it. For example, dis, or x or if, or con, and, and you put these different parts together and make words. For example, I have dis, pose, it's dispositor i i think i may have made that word up but i use four cards dis card pause it and er and those are fragments each card has a fragment uh, a definition of what that fragment means to, to so you know how it's used and variants you could have of it for example er er could also be or or e r, and they all pretty much mean the same thing but are used to make different words so this is being sold as a game kit it it, the box has four different rules in it and there should be more rules online at some point um and you could probably come up with your own games with it there there the four different games in here two of them are solo friendly one of them plays a lot like sets if you're familiar with that game in that you're playing cards on the table you're you're playing nine cards face up on the table and then pulling out pairs or three three cards together to form words. And uh, when you do that, you pull those out and then replace those cards for on the table and, and keep doing that until you go through the whole deck. And your goal is to basically make it through the deck, making as many words as possible. Um, now this is a solo game or a competitive game. And that game was called Word Scramble. The next game is called Word Pyramid. It reminds me of a Solitaire game, but I don't remember the name of the Solitaire game I'm thinking of. But here you make a pyramid of cards. One card on top, two below that, three below that, four below that, and so on. Down to six, or up to as many as nine. Um, Six is easy, nine is hard. So you're going to lay out this pyramid of cards, and then you're going to make three discard piles with one card in each. And your goal is basically to make words, starting from the bottom of the pyramid, working your way up. And, And as you use cards to make words, you remove them from the pyramid... Your goal is eventually to free up all the, the cards. You can only use cards that are actually currently available unlocked along the bottom. So if a card doesn't have any below it, you can use it. You could also use your cards in your discard pile. Um, so it's a very simple game. It's it's neat. It's a fun game. And then there's a couple other games that are not solo-friendly. One is called Riders Group. And Actually, that's it, and it brings three in the box, but I know there are more. There's, for example, a, a multiplayer variant. Of word pyramid, that one if you, well, I'm sorry. Word pyramid, you could play a uh, solo or cooperative, but there's also a head-to-head version, and the rules for that will be online. <clears throat> um, so this is a neat little product. I the it's really fun, you know, especially the pyramid game. I'm really enjoying that one a lot more. If you lay the cards out and you, and you start building your words, and it, it's a pretty light game, but you're spending a lot of time thinking about what words to make it's interesting because you have to figure out what you know sometimes you find some real simple words you can make but you got to think wait a minute do i want to use some of these cards up now or do i want to save them for later and maybe let me see if i can find another word now that that maybe will use different sets of cards um so you're paying attention to what's available and what cards you want to unlock and that's interesting um i do not know how much replayability this game will have simply because of the limited number of word parts I don't know how many words you can make from this kit, but I imagine after a while you start looking for for favorite words and and common words, and I suspect that would make it easier. But then again, that's probably true about any any solitaire game. The more you play it, the more you figure out how it works. Um, the game, either of the two solitaire games I mentioned, probably plays in about five or ten minutes. Uh, they're and they're each pretty neat. I also played it with my daughter. Um, she's currently in 5th grade and is actually studying word stems a lot, which is the beginning of words. And And she had a lot of fun with this game. And I suspect it will be useful for her in school. I tried playing a 2-player with her, but she just kept making up words from the card she saw and then asking me if it was correct. So so I never had time to make my own words, and she made a bunch in the end. So that didn't quite work out. I got to figure out how to play with her. I, I think it might be tricky if you have people who have kids and adults playing together. Maybe we want to spend more time playing a cooperative game. That would work better. Uh anyway, that is word It is on Kickstarter right now. Check it out. Uh it's over, I believe, sometime in December. Okay. The campaign ends December 28th and it's basically $15 to order to get a deck of cards shipped anywhere in the world. I uh, I'm it's free shipping in the US, five dollars in Canada, and seven for the rest of the world. So even it's it's still pretty reasonable for one deck of cards, and there's also a print and play option for five dollars. Um <laughs> all right. Let's go back to the, the show at hand.
0: So let's talk about the game of this week, Mistfall. So the I, the theme of Mistfall is that you are a band of adventurers. So, you know, a shield person, a sword person, a magic person, a rogue-type person. So you're a band of adventurers going on an adventure. And each of the adventures differs. Um, There actually is a write-up in the rules about, you know, a story element to each of them. But usually the basic idea is there's a bad guy. The mists have corrupted them to give them some powers and make them be evil. And it's up to you to go kill them. That's just about that's just about the entirety of how they all play. Um, each of the different bad guys, each of the different scenarios, has some uniqueness to it about how it is that they play. But essentially, that's just what's happening, is that you are your guy, and you are going to go beat up on the bad guys, and that's just how it works. Um, that's the theme of the game. Talking about the components mm-hmm. of the game. Let's see here. Do I have a list of the components of the game? Uh, it brings a lot of cards. It does have a whole ton of cards. Yeah, for a few hundred, I'd say. But I'd love to have a list of them. Um, the reason why I bring so many cards is that each player, if you're familiar with the way it works in um, Sentinels of the Multiverse, so you're going to not be surprised by many of the things that are going to be occurring here. Because the idea of this one is that um, you each character is going to have their own... Um, is going to have their own deck of cards that they start off the game with. So each character has their base deck of cards, their basic gear, and they'll have their advanced cards, their advanced abilities, and their reward gear. So we'll set setting aside the reward gear for a second. Um, the idea is you start with your basic abilities, which are sort of like your core abilities, and you can buy throughout the course of the game better abilities. And when you're buying from the better abilities, you actually have access to all of them at once. Not like in Mage Knight, where there are some better abilities out, but you only have a couple options and choices. With this one, you really have your options of any of them. Um, just as long as you can pay the the resolve needed to get it. And the way you get resolve is by beating bad guys. So you beat bad guys, and you can buy the better, cooler abilities. And those abilities will actually go straight into your hand. Again, not like Mage Knight. It goes straight into your hand, so it's available immediately. So each player is going to be starting with that deck of cards, and they're going to have their own deck of cards and their own... um specialized cards and each of the different characters are going to be playing differently so one of the characters is going to be based around using magic and frost interactions another character is going to be playing around sneaky that he'll send everyone away and do backstab punches and things like that and so each one of them does feel different similar to how it works in sentinels in the multiverse that each one of the decks does play different Um, which is, which is interesting to play because really when I get the feeling of playing each one of them, usually I I sat down for the first time, uh, yesterday. And there was one deck that I had as of yet still not played, which was the Frost Mage. And so yesterday I said, okay, you know, definitely before reviewing, we're going to make sure that we get into play with each of the decks. And so I sat down and I played through with that one. And once again, even, even after having played already a number of games of this, uh, of this already, still even having played that one, I was like, wait just a second. This one works very differently. Um, And even here, I'll just, I'll explain to you how the final boss works. With this one, the final boss in this one would have gotten the ability to flip over and double his life value. But Hmm. I could use this frost mage to frost the guy and make it so that he didn't have the ability to flip over by just taking away all of his abilities, including his ability to flip over his card and so by doing that I have one f- one move just kind him done by half and he's the only guy who could have done something like that using his frost abilities so well okay unfortunately that was the first time the whole game I got to really use that because usually with everyone else I just would one kill and move on so But when it became useful, it was actually really useful and really fun, and there was not a way I was able to play with anyone else, was using this frost mechanic of attaching frost cards to to people to beat them and make them run away. It was just simply not something I had done before with anyone else, and so it was nice to be able to have gotten that mechanic in. Um, But we'll come back to more about that frost mage a bit later, I think. So that's what the hero decks. They're also each hero is going to have a set of reward cards, and there's also what's called transient reward cards. And at the start of each game, you'll make up a you'll you'll take a certain amount of transient rewards. So some of the transient rewards aren't going to be in the game, and only one of each character's special rewards is going to be in the game and you'll shuffle that all up to make a reward deck. So sometimes you may never see your special rewards, and you may just run through potions, because most of the transient rewards cards are just these potions, invisibility potion or stamina potion and things like that. So that'll be the reward cards. Hmm. Um, and that's the player cards. The other cards that are in the deck are various other decks. So there are three types of um Monster decks. There are the red deck, the green deck, and the blue deck. And each one of those decks will have different type of enemies in it. So for instance, the red deck has mostly magic type people and brigands. The blue deck, I think, has mostly like dark type things like vampires and undead and stuff like that. And the green-type deck has mostly, like, wilds type things. So it has beasts and wolves and beast men and things like that. So each one of them has sort of a special focus. And when you're drawing from one of those decks, it gives it a different feel and flavor than drawing from a different type of deck. And the way you know which deck you're going to be drawing from is when you enter a new area, you will draw a scenario card. And so this is from the scenario deck the scenario deck will tell you what's going on. So, for instance, you walked into a war between some beastmen and some brigands. Or you walked into a dark summoning ritual. Or you walked into an evil sorcerer's conclave. And so this sets up a, a bit of story and tells you which deck you're supposed to be drawing from and what cards you should be looking for. So, for example, with the dark summoning ritual, you'll have to draw three sorcerers And from then on, you only draw undead, because you start with having these three sorcerers, and they see you like, oh, bad guys! For them, bad guys. Kill them! And they start summoning skeletons to to lob at you. Whereas if you wander into the mists, you may, and and jump into a Goran Scout horde, so it may say, draw six Goran Scouts, for example. And so those are the scenarios that you may have to encounter. Um... So that's from the Scenario deck. Now that I mentioned, when you enter a new location, the locations are not cards. They are these thick tiles, these square tiles, each one of them that has a picture of a location and usually a special ability or special um, environment aspect to it. And some of these environments can be good and some of them can be bad. Uh, But these tiles are arranged. For most of the games, they're arranged in a 3 by 3 square and usually start with most of them face down so you don't know where it is that you're going before you head out there um so you so each one of them is different so for instance there's one that lets you look welcome back everybody okay slight technical difficulty there hopefully we can sync it up together but as i was saying the different tiles have different abilities so for example there's one that could give you the ability to flip over all adjacent location tiles or there's other ones that say you cannot retreat from this tile so some of them are good some of them are bad and it's it's random uh, about how good or how bad it's going to be Um, and so that's the location tiles. so you're moving around the location tiles drawing a scenario the scenario tells you what enemies to draw when you draw enemies you'll those enemies start in the quest area and each player comes with a certain amount of focus and focus is how much the enemies are going to perceive you as a threat and they'll come from the quest area and come attack you based upon your focus so each time an enemy comes to you you divide your focus in half rounding down and that's how much now they perceive you as less of a threat, because now there's someone actively engaging with you. So those enemies that get drawn will then come to you and reduce your focus. And then if you do... Well, we'll get back to focus in a second. Um, so we've done the enemy deck, scenario deck. We talked about the locations. Um, let's talk about the time deck, which is the other type of deck that's in the game. After you go through a round, and a round being essentially where... You get to move to a place... Draw a scenario... Hit the bad guys... The bad guys hit you... After that... You'll do the time deck... And so you'll draw a time card... And the time card will have you move along the time token... Because on the quest charter... um, There's an area that keeps track of... How many turns you have left in the game... How many time spaces you have left in the game... And so... The amount of time you have left in the game... Is based upon the number of players... So in the time deck... You draw it out and you see, well, do you win or do you lose? And, or do you win, or do you lose? How, how much time do you have to go through the deck? And you move along, and sometimes those time cards will have other random effects. So, for instance, discard two cards, discard four cards, or do an extra time. Or sometimes they say you get to draw an extra card. Various different things. So that's the time deck. And then there's also a bunch of tokens. And the tokens do all sorts of things. There's a token for poison, which is doing extra damage. Or fire, which is doing extra damage. Or there's damage tokens, which show that the guy's been damaged. Or there's daze tokens, which means that they do less damage. Or there's weakness, which don't let you use your abilities so well. There's objective tokens, which show how how far along you've done the scenario to be able to escape the scenario and move on to the next location. So, there's a whole pile of tokens, and these tokens, they're not like little just They're all actually shaped nicely. So, some are square, some are are drops. The poisons and the damage are drops. And then the uh, resolve tokens are um, hexagonal tokens. So, it's nice that they made those differently shaped. Um, Nice and easy to pick up. And the, the, the tokens do look very nice. I've so let's talk a little mm-hmm. bit more about some of these cards. So I think, Albert, you've had a chance to take a look at all of the art and pictures in these things. I did. I, I,
1: I set up the game one night and went through and opened it up, and all the ton of cards, ton of different types of cards, and they all look really nice. They got great art. There's a lot of information on every card, and every card could do a few. It seems like they could do a few different things.
0: Yeah, that's true. Um i mean this is this is not a light game this is a this is going to be one of your heavier games because yeah, each of the cards does do a sep- does do different things um, but in terms of the amount of art on the cards so and I apologize for continuing to compare this to mage knight, um, but with Mage Knight, each of the different hero cards has a different piece of art to it where which is well mostly um <clears throat> But these do not. All of your cards, other than your, uh, other than your um, items, have the same art. It's an art of that dude, that person. <clears throat> and so they're all the same thing and they're all the same art. So regardless of whether or not you're doing a shield bash or a sword strike, it's just a guy standing there doing nothing. So it's all the same piece of art. For better or worse, that's just the way it is. Um, when you have items though, all of the items have different unique art of the actual items themselves. Similarly, all the location tiles have different unique art, and all of the different type of monsters have different art. Um, there are multiple copies of monsters in the deck, and they will have the same art, which is good, but <laughs> yeah, because otherwise if they're, if they're different, <laughs> you won't be able to tell but so each of the different monsters does have different art. I think one of the reasons why they chose to have the, the art be the same for the hero cards is because there's, there's a lot of text that can come up on it. Because, for example, if you have a sword card, well, the first thing that it would do is there's an action that you can take to take the card and put it in your, in your hero area so you can use it. There's then going to be a fast action which is usually a weaker quick action you can do with it. And then there's going to be a regular action where there could be two other regular actions. And so there's a list of different things that you can do with it. So there can be a lot of text on these cards. It can be very text-heavy. Which I think is one of the reasons why they really cut down on the amount of art that was involved in the cards is because it's very text-heavy. It's not text-light. (laughs) Hmm, okay. Which can make it very hard to follow your way through it. So let's see if I can let's see if I can get an example of a card of a weapon card. Maybe. Too bad I don't have the game here.
1: You know what while you do that, I went to the Kickstarter page and I found the components. There are sixteen location tiles, fifteen encounter cards, sixteen war cards, sixteen timer cards, hundred and twenty-eight hero cards, and 93 special and regular enemy cards. So it's almost, it's about 300 cards there. 250 cards maybe? That's very possible.
0: There are definitely a lot of cards. Because the monster -hmm. monster decks are good-sized decks. Probably I'd say an inch and a half thick decks each. There's three of those. So those are are really thick. Um, The scenario decks are not as thick, but they're still pretty thick. Um, So there's there's definitely a lot of different cards that are going on in that. The individual hero decks are not as thick, but there's still a good amount of cards to them. And I don't... Well, I wish I could quote an exact text of a card just to get you a feel of how difficult it is, but I don't have the box open in front of me. I'm not right now seeing a card listed anywhere. I'm opening the rules up locally. It's just taking a second to download them. Uh, 385 cards. Wow, okay. Alright, so here's an example of a card. This is the Stunning Hammer. As a fax action, you can place it in your hero area, and it engenders one extra focus, and this is a range one action. When it's in your hero action, it's a range one action, it's a regular action. You can deal two damage and get two focus, and place two... Days tokens on an enemy, on the target enemy, and then place the card on top of your deck. And if it's in your hero action, you can also have a one range regular action to deal three damage and two focus and do two days tokens on the target enemy and discard up to two combat cards to deal plus one damage and plus one focus for each card discarded. And then you have to discard this card. Oh. And that was three different options you read? It was three different options all printed on one card. Wow, okay. With, with plenty of symbols and things going on in them. So this is just an example that it could be text-heavy. It could be text-heavy. <laughs> See, heavy. You, you said it's a complicated game. I mean, the, and every card's going to have
1: different ways to use it and different options. So, mm-hmm. so this game is full of choices as you're
0: playing. Well, let's talk about that. Okay. Um, well, before we get to it, let me just make sure I haven't forgotten any other aspects of the game.
1: We didn't really talk about the locations a lot yet.
0: Well, the locations are pretty simple. I mean, a location tile just has an ability that happens there, and essentially it's Mm -hmm. just a place where an encounter happens, and you'll just draw an encounter and see what happens. But the encounters aren't innately tied to the location, other than a location may be either a Deadlands, Borderlands, or Wildlands location. And so when you draw an encounter, the encounter has to match the type of location but it's not essentially tied to the locations more the game is about the scenarios and the monsters that are going to be coming out and attacking okay um, let's though talk about a well let's talk about i think we've talked well have we've talked about the um the uh the focus area that is on each player board. And so, like I said, with this one just now, when you took the action, so it would make you add extra focus because you look now look more and more dangerous and so the bad guys are going to want to come after you. As you get more focus, you may increase the reinforcements track and you may cause raging enemies to become enraged talking about the reinforcements first the scenarios sometimes say that as turns progress you they get reinforcements so more guys will come out so for instance more going warriors and more skeletons will come out and that's denoted in one corner of the box if it happens and the way you track that is whatever it says in the corner of the box plus any reinforcement that's happened due to focus because on each track each focus track there's a reinforcements icon so when you hit that reinforcements icon, you move the reinforcements track one over. Then you move the reinforcements track however many over the scenario calls for, and then that many enemies is how many will then come out at you. In
1: oh, wow. In okay. the
0: beginning of each turn. So you may be killing some enemies, but more enemies will keep coming up. So the raging enemies is also, on the focus track, there's a raging enemies symbol, which is like the sort of bull-type symbol thing. And... um it's normally just a regular enemy, but the, the only point to the raging enemies is that whenever you hit the raging enemy icon on the focus track, or the time track, or the reinforcements track, whenever you hit it, all of the raging enemies will become enraged. And what they do when they become enraged for each one is different. Some of them may get extra power, some of them may have an extra attack, some of them may do fire damage. And each one of them, it says on their car what it is that they do. So it's all going to be different for each one of them. So that's about the, the time track and the reinforcements track, I think. Okay. Um, I think I've covered all the things in the game. But let me just summarize the turn structure of the game just one more time. You start the game, you set up, and you have all the locations out. First thing that you'll do is, so you'll do this reinforcements phase, which is what I was talking about, where you have guys coming out if you have reinforcements coming out. You then have the travel phase. So if you want, you can go ahead and you can retreat, or you can, if you're not in an, in an encounter, you can just freely move to the next place, theoretically trying to move your way along towards the ultimate bad guy. Um, If you start a new encounter doing that, so you set up a new encounter and you draw bad guys based upon whatever the scenario says you do. You then move to the pursuit phase, which is when the enemies that are drawn either in reinforcements or a new encounter come out and try and attack you and come to your hero area. You then have the hero phase. When you're allowed during the hero phase to take one regular action, any number of fast or reflex actions, and even if something lets you do if, if there's still a fast action option on your board, you could do it multiple, multiple times, as long as you don't mind engendering the extra focus that that'll do for you. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can resolve any number of faster reflex actions, and you can then do any number of advanced feats. Or I'm sorry, you can then purchase any number of advanced feats while you're doing that, which will give you more options and abilities. After you do the hero phase, you then do the defense phase, which is when each enemy... Uh, will have a chance to do damage back at you. And each of the enemies will do either magic or physical damage, and they'll sometimes also have shields to block some of the hero damage towards them. After that, you resolve all of the conditions. So fire, you get to do wounds, poison wounds, etc., etc. After you resolve conditions, you get to discard one condition. So even if a person would have a fire and a poison, you only get to discard one of those two. Uh, You'll then check Hmm. and see if the encounter is finished, if it is, so then you get rewards. Each time you finish an encounter, you get two rewards, which, again, because there's a big carpool, you may not get your special reward ever during the game, because you're only drawing two rewards after each encounter. But you draw two rewards, um, pick which character gets that, and then you can rest. You actually get a free rest at the end of each encounter. Um, Okay. You can also, if you're not in an encounter during the encounter phase, you can just choose to stom rest. You can just choose to, to basically rest anyway. And the idea of resting is, is there's going to be something I forgot to mention. Is there's actually three decks that a player will have during the game. There's your draw pile, your discard pile, and your burial pile. And your discard pile, so your your burial pile is sort of like a super discard. Um, when you take wounds, when you take hits from the bad guy, what you do is you have to move cards from your hand, your discard pile, or from the top of your draw pile to your buried pile. And if all of your cards go to your buried pile, so you've taken too many hits. So when you rest, you get to move cards back out of your buried pile and back out of your discard pile to your draw pile. Um, okay. Although it's actually from your buried pile to your discard pile or from your discard pile to your draw pile, one per each rest point that you get then the last thing you do is you do your time phase and then you repeat it all over again until you get to the ultimate bad guy and that's a summary of the rules of the game like i said this is one of those ones that is complicated very complicated to be able to get it all you didn't make it sound too bad at all though uh well okay (laughs) okay I don't know if you're being serious or not, Albert. No, I am. I mean, you you
1: explained. I said, okay, I'm ready to go play. I'm going to go pull it out and play it real quick now. That sounds straightforward. Okay. But that wasn't my experience with the game. Well, what was your experience with the game? Well, I pulled it out one day to play it. I read through the rules. I struggled through the rules, honestly. And, you know, I eventually got the whole thing set up, and I, I, I was just confused. I didn't know what to do the at least least, i don't think the rules really explain it but the the first phase the reinforcements i couldn't figure out if i was supposed to do it or not at first um what i was supposed to do with that and and i guess the very first turn there is no reinforcement phase but it just it wasn't written clearly to me i I didn't
0: understand all that well this rule book reads like a technical manual at times so Mm when you start off, what it, the, the first thing that it does is after you get through all the setup. So it sort of tells you what all the different things are and what all the different pieces and components are. And then it goes through and gives you a symbol key and it goes through the round structure. So for example, it does the reinforcement phase. And so there's different sub parts, the reinforcement phase. So the first sub part is drawing reinforcements and there are, 10 steps 1 2 3 4 5 6 7 8 9 10 steps listed for the drawing reinforcements phase um you then have the next part of the reinforcements phase which is party relocation which is another five steps another six steps for entering a new location another four steps for an encounter check four steps for drawing encounters uh 10 steps for setting up the encounter and then you're finally done with the travel phase. I'm sorry. At one point in time, I moved from the re- reinforcement to, the, to okay. the travel phase, but all of that gets built up. It's a technical manual, and you have to go through all these steps and try and understand it. And it can mm-hmm. be hard. It can be hard to do, as you said. And, just that, now and that,
1: those steps aren't actually necessarily big steps either. Some of those are going to be really fast.
0: They are they are it. really fast, but it's it reads like a technical manual with a set of steps that you just sort of have to go through. And I feel I, I don't know I feel like it's written in a differently worded style than, say, Sentinels of the Multiverse, which yes. is a game that I, I I will I will be apt to compare this one to. I feel like it's written in a different set, setup than Sentinels of the Multiverse, which is written more like. Uh, an explanation of a game, as opposed to a technical manual of steps to do. You, I, I read this one, and I feel like I'm trying to take apart and repair a computer, as opposed to playing a game. <laughs> yeah, I think I think that's a fair comparison, you know. And that's sort of what it feels like to me. I, I think that there even could have been some different pagination. So, for example, with reinforcements phase, big old box with this one. If you're not in an active encounter. Skip the reinforcements phase. Mm-hmm.
1: Right. Okay, and so I got stuck there. Am I in an active encounter? I, I didn't know. <laughs> I had no idea at first. I have no idea what that is yet. And I, So then I need to try and dig through and find that. And, and and this frustrated me, and I just didn't have the time or energy to, to go through this rule
0: book. Yep, and I totally hear that. I completely hear that. But, I mean, it doesn't even say that. Like, for instance, for the first thing, it says if there is no active encounter in play, move the marker cube to the reinforcement track to the starting position. But no point in time does it say, if you're not in an active encounter, all of this isn't going to to apply. You're not going to have any reinforcements if you're not in an active encounter. Right? Yep. So it's a technical manual, and it could have been written much more clearly. I think one of my biggest, biggest... Beefs with the game is going to be this rulebook. This rulebook needs a sanity check made on it. And personally, I'm going to say I think it is the state of this rulebook is inexcusable. Completely inexcusable. This was a game that came out on Kickstarter. Usually, when you have people involved in the Kickstarter, there are going to be people that are going to be happy to help you out with the rulebook. They're happy to at least look at it. I almost think this rulebook really needed someone to I, I I don't know if they they got people to play test it from the rulebook by itself or they got any any feedback on the rulebook before they published it. Did they hand it to someone and say, mm. "Here's the rulebook. Learn the game. We're going to watch you learn the game and make sure this rulebook makes sense and is something that you can do to understand how to play the game." Because I don't think they ever did that i don't think they ever showed it to someone else to see what the reaction would be and see how that someone learned how to play the game because it is very difficult to learn how to play the game here's a couple other things that make it very difficult to play a game i brought this back up at the beginning of the podcast if i tell you that a game has advanced rules what does that normally mean to you albert
1: <laughs> well, it's going to mean there's a, there's a simple way to play and a complex
0: way to play. Right. If you look on page 12 of the rule book, it lists for you the advanced rules. Okay. Mm-hmm. Quote, below you will find detailed explanation of some of the more advanced rules needed to play a game of Mistfall. Ah, uh, yes. These okay. are not, this is not the advanced game. What this is, is all the rules that we said we made. This is where the designers who wrote the rulebook said, we made a very complicated game. We're sorry. We couldn't figure out how to put all of the complication and make it very streamlined. So we're going to make everything that we feel is complicated and give it its own section here. And rather than saying these are all the complicated portions made into separate sections, we're going to call this the advanced rules. But you need to know all of these sections because these are all the important complicated parts that we didn't fully cover up above. We're going to cover them individually now. Mm-hmm. You know,
1: I've I've had other games that do that. And that part I was okay with. I've been used to that. I think um, Arkham Horror is one where it goes through and explains the basic game and then afterwards comes all the extra rules that you need to actually play the game, besides the like the turn order, and it's things like combat are going to be described in
0: there. Well, the difference between this is that it, with Arkham Horror, to my understanding, is that the rules itself references when you get to this part, you can come over here for more details about how it's done. Whereas here, yes, you does. have no idea. <laughs> you just have no idea. <laughs> you you, do, you you would never know that these are the important parts of the game that. I I'm, I called out earlier, like before, with Arkham Horror, it gets through and it says, combat works as explained in the combat section, which is over later. I'm not going to talk about yeah. it now because I'm explaining something <laughs> else now. It works as explained in the combat section. Nothing like that here. So, for example, I listed out for you all about how to go through the turn order of the game, but I don't tell you about the different type of actions in the game. Until the advanced rules. Mm, okay. I don't tell you about the type of gear cards until the advanced rules. I don't tell you about range until the advanced rules. There's no idea about range. It's this little number. Anything in your hero area is range one. Anything in someone else's hero area or the um, pl- or the quest area is range two. Okay. Mm, okay. Sometimes some things may be in range 3 or 4, so you may need that. And if you empty out your whole player area, you get a range bonus. So everything else, you can now reach range 2 with range 1 actions. So this means that if you clear out your player area, you can then go help your friends. Is what that means. You would never know that if you don't get to the advanced areas. It doesn't call it out beforehand when you're learning how to do actions you know mhm yep it it doesn't call these things out it <sighs> just sort of throws it out here at the end another thing this here here's another example of something that every time i've listened to anyone talk about the game they always mess up these two rules with the reinforcements track after you have reinforcements come out on the board so let's say that you fin- you, you you're in the middle of an encounter So the reinforcements track is on three. So three more bad guys are going to be coming out. So you draw three more bad guys. After you draw those three more bad guys, the reinforcement track resets to zero. So when you have more reinforcements come out and you may cause it to go back up to three, it doesn't go to six. It just goes back to three because it got reset. Okay. The first time I played this game, I didn't realize that. And the reason I didn't realize that is because this is explained in the reinforcements track section of the advanced rules in subpart two of an explanation of the symbols. <laughs> it takes a lawyer to read this. It really does. <laughs> I mean here's another rule that, that most people mess up. It also has to do the reinforcements track. On the scenario cards, some of them say add zero to the reinforcement track and some of them have a blank in that area. If it's blank that means that there will be no reinforcements that come out. So, as opposed to saying set it to zero, it just leaves it blank, and you're supposed to have realized that from subpart three of the reinforcements <laughs> track section of the advanced rules, that no, we're not going to overwhelm you in this case. What this means is you don't have more reinforcements coming out. Guys, both of those rules should have gone in the reinforcements section of the rules. Where people read With cross through. references. If I yep. give you a manual that tells you how to go through the reinforcement section, the final step should be reset the reinforcement's track. <laughs> why is it not there?
1: Yeah, so, so it's a frustrating rulebook. I mean, may and maybe, that's, and that's why I didn't play the game through. You know, I, I tried and I gave up because of the rulebook. And honestly, at this point, I'm considering trading the game away.
0: Ooh, have I done that to you?
1: Hmm? No, not, not because you, even be, before you, you know, and I may change my mind after hearing more about how the game works and, and your thoughts on the game, but based on my experience, I, it's more complicated than I want to spend time with.
0: I definitely hear that. The game no. does have a certain amount of complexity, but let me talk about another couple of beefs I have with the game. Okay, I, I'm I'm going I'm to talk about all the negative things first. Let me get let me get all the negative things out of my mind. Okay, okay. We're get gonna, out of your system. We're going to rant and rave a bit longer. The scenarios okay. that you encounter are random, and some of them are much more difficult than other ones. So on your first turn of the game, there are some scenarios that feel like they can never end. For example, there's one that is a roving zombie horde where the way you end it is by either defeating all enemies or by getting um by getting object by getting objective tokens on the card and the way you do that is by enraging enemies. So you can choose to enrage an enemy which usually means it gets to attack you immediately a- in order to put a objective token on the card. If you get this one as your first one before you've had the chance to spend resolve to get more powerful, it's mm-hmm. going to take you a while to go through it. Whereas if you get an easy one in your first one, so you get through the first one, you one-kill everyone, and you're just fine moving on, and you just get all the goodies for it, and you move on. This can really slow down the start of the game. Whereas if you get an easy one, you get extra resolve early on, and then you can deal with these easy ones later on in the game. There's nothing to ramp up the difficulty. It all is random up until you get to the final bad guy, who is usually hard. And there's no there's there's no control made for that. I'm going to compare this to Mage Knight. In Mage Knight, you start with the outer tiles and the core tiles. The outer tiles are easier. The core tiles are harder. And the reason for this is because it wants to give you the opportunity to deal with the early threats and build up power. Then when you get to the inner threats, you get more power. Then you go for the final boss with the cities. So there's three simple mm-hmm. tracks. This missed that. This this just missed it because you. it's entirely random. There's, there's nothing that builds. And also, I mean, you can go through the whole game and sometimes now that the game does have variable difficulty. Um, this was uh, as a Kickstarter stretch goal. Each of the various cardboard tracks can be flipped to the nightmare side, which does make the game more difficult because you will have the game, um, give you more reinforcements, more bad guys coming, more difficult time cards, and so when you flip all these over, so Fanny's going to rage more. So that's that's a way of making things more difficult. But even with it flipped over, very often I found, for most scenarios, I can just one turn kill all of the bad guys that were arrayed against me. So there was never this long battle where I'm considering, well, what is their attack going to be to me? How am I going to deal with that? What am I going to do? How do I re- how do I defend there's never it never feels like a battle to me. Usually, what it is is I feel like they step in there, I kill them, I, I use all my cards to kill them, and then I usually get a free rest because every time you finish a scenario, mm-hmm. you get a free rest, so you get to take all of your cards right back. So, I just I one turn kill them unless I draw one of the really hard ones, which is just bad luck. I one turn yep. kill them. I beat I beat my way through them, and I just move on. And there's there's no. There's no feeling of an extended battle that's going on here. It just never... It very rarely happens. And when it does happen, because it doesn't happen that often, it feels like that's the slow part of the game rather than the correct part of the game. Hmm, okay. Right? And so I'm going to compare it to Mage Knight again or even I'll compare it to Sentinels, both of which are, in my opinion, very good games. Sentinels... At this point in time I really only prefer to play on the app just because of the mountain management that is occurring. But what's about the app version of Sentinels? Um But I mean, with those ones, there's an extended battle that's going on. A Sentinel's person comes out, you don't normally have like a one trick kill one turn kill to get rid of everything that comes down. You don't often have a chance to entirely clear out your board. You have to continue dealing with these. They become lasting threats. Um with mm. with Mage Knight when a, tile, when, a, when a monster comes out, you have to think, well, he has this special ability, he's going to attack first, and you have to figure out what his special ability is. With many, many of the enemies that come out of Mistfall, I often don't care about anything on them except for their defense and their health points, because that's just a number of damage I have to do with them, and then I don't have to care about anything else. If I can see. deal that amount of damage, nothing else matters at all. And usually I'm able to deal that amount of damage and just move on. And it doesn't matter at all. Again, one of the other reasons why is because if I can usually manage my focus, I can push my focus all the way up. Sometimes there'll be a raging enemy that might attack, but the raging enemies are not that common. I don't care about reinforcements if I manage to one-turn kill, so I don't care about the amount of focus I'm getting. So I go ahead and pump my focus all the way up, do as much stuff as I can in one turn, and focus will get reset if I'm successful in the scenario. So I just one turn kill them and I just run through the game. It feels also like the game forces you to do that. And here's why. The time track. There's a limited number of turns you get in the game. And you don't even know how many there are. Because the game could really rush through and you could have three turns in the whole game if you get a really bad time card draw. Not very likely. <laughs> mm-hmm. Not very likely. But, for example, you can get three turns in the whole game. I, I Actually, I think that may be an exaggeration. I don't think it can be really three turns in the game. But you have a limited amount of turns in the game, which means you need to do one-turn kills to these enemies in order to really be able to move on. If you are doing long battles with these enemies, you're going to run out of time to beat the main bad guy. And I know a couple times I'm like, I spent too long on that zombie horde, so now I've got one turn to kill the boss, and that's it. Now fortunately I usually manage to do that. Usually I can manage to kill the boss in one turn. But you find out like you're forced to do one turn kills most of the time. Which subverts all of that text and all of that interaction. What did you need it for? It's not yeah it it has no presence when the game is designed that way. Right? Let me rant and yeah. rave a little bit more. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Speaking of this time track, it doesn't... Well, this time track... I'm I I, I I'm not a fan of the game Legends of Andor. In Legends of Andor, you have a very tight time track. And I don't really know... Well, I know why it is in time, Legends of Andor, because Legends of Andor is not a battle game. Legends of Andor is a puzzle game. The time track here feels very restrictive if you get caught up in time tracks so something bad could happen. The game for me has been a lot more fun when I don't care about the time track because even when I'm playing with the time track I manage... I, I mean, even when I'm playing with the time track nothing bad normally happens because of what happens on the time track other than, oh man, I only have one turn to beat this guy so I lose because... I got stuck fighting for too long over here. And it's entirely out of my control. It's not like I can rush to the end of the game. I still have to get through it. I need more turns to kill this person. And it's just the way of it. The The time track, especially since it's limited to number of turns and exactly turns, feels very restrictive and very difficult. And to me also, kind of feels a little bit lazy because... Since there's no accelerating um, difficulty going on, so they had to stop at Mm -hmm. one point in time because otherwise you can do all the easy difficulties and become more powerful, which I'm not even sure if that matters, but you could become more powerful. So they had to cut that out with the time phase. Um, I guess what they were aiming for was something like Mage Knight. Mage Knight has a number of rounds, not a number of turns, a number of rounds, and in Mage Knight that's to prevent you from going through and doing as many battles as you possibly can in order to um in order to get as many possible spells and power up cards as you can and move on through there so I think that what they were going for was the the what was to sort of be sort of like mage Knight has, but to be to me it just falls short because a it's limited to turns. B, it's not really something that's controllable at all and there's just nothing I can it often turns out there's just nothing I can do about it and it just doesn't feel like it has It, it to me it just feels lazy and tacked on and mm-hmm. I find I enjoy it much, a little bit more when I don't have to worry about it, I'm just like okay I just have to beat the bad guy and I, if I lose I lose and you know if if I'm not at threat of losing to the bad guy so the time face doesn't seem like a great way to, to mitigate it. What should be is that you're a threat of losing. You're a threat of dying. And if you're a threat of dying, well then I make sense the time phase fa- that that would make a lot more sense to me. In Sentinels, there's no time track that produces it. You can't die. It should have been like that. And I feel like it would have been a much stronger game if they could have taken it from Sentinels instead of possibly taking inspiration from Mage Knight. Because I think in Sentinels it was a much stronger by how do you lose? You die. Not, oh, you just happen to run out of time. It's
1: mm-hmm. just much
0: weaker. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, the other ones, I mean, I have some other minor, more, more minor issues. I think I've covered the more major issues. There's a couple more minor issues, like, for instance, one being you may not be able to see your special reward. Most of the reward deck are just these potions, and you may not be able to see the cool things that are special to your character you just may not be able to see it yeah um that's one thing i think i also mentioned that it's very very text heavy very icon heavy so you may have to just deal with all that
1: yeah i had two issues with my mine, which are not at all related to gameplay of course one was when i when i was trying to put the uh the location marker into the plastic stand the plastic stand just shattered it did it <laughs> it did. It just flew off in two opposite directions Ugh, that's not uh, good yep. yeah no and, and you know those are things we easy to replace
0: did you ask them for a replacement
1: like, no but you know i could find an old copy of candyland or whatever and take something from that i'm not like, worried about it okay or i could just leave it laying down also okay that's fine yep the, the other thing was the, the box insert is not very usable in this game at all. Oh, I threw away the box insert. That's it, standard. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's, you, you know, you're going to have a bunch of scattered cards and tiles where you're going to make your own insert.
0: Um, I know there's another one that I've seen floating around also on the forums that hasn't come up for me because I just simply, I, I haven't done it so much. Um, I've, I've heard that there's a lot of errata for the game. Mm-mm. Um. Something to throw out there. Honestly, I haven't played with the erotic. I, I Because I've also heard that there's a lot of infinite loops. And things that, if you see it, you can take advantage of. I haven't noticed one. I, I okay. Feel, uh, unless absolutely everything I'm doing are all the things that are errataed. But I do it with every single character I find something that I can do to just beat them. <laughs> and I find multiple different ways to do it. It's not like I'm using one card. Because every turn I'm able to beat them one turn and I see that other people are also able to beat it in just one turn so I I mean it could be that the errata I I have never gone through it because really because there's a lot of errata for the game and I just sort of have ignored it because there's a lot of errata so I've Mm -hmm. never dealt with it and I don't know what all the infinite loops are read them at your own risk (laughs) (laughs) because they may break it for you um, this this falls under the category of uh, what's the game with the Halifax Hammer. But I have no idea if, you know, oh, uh, man, what's it called? But there was one game that, that, that had a completely broken strategy that always won, the Halifax Hammer.
1: Oh, yeah. Yep. I know what game you're talking about. And
0: I don't remember the name of it either. But I just, I don't know how to play it because if I ever want to play the game, I just don't want to just know the auto win. So I, I don't know what those infinite loops are I haven't found them myself personally if I ever find them I can then go apply the errata but until then it's just not it's just not an issue for me and so neither neither one of those are huge issues for me okay so So, let's hear about the good stuff then okay so let's hear about the good stuff each of the characters does play very differently I like this I like this in Sentinels and I like this here each of them does play very differently and does do different things so they feel like they're using different mechanics about how you, uh, how you go ahead and beat the bad guys. And I talked about how one person has the frost mage. So for instance, there's another character, Crow, that most of what he does is not actually that he, he kills things. He actually just sort of sneaks around and lets them get engaged with someone else and will clear up the board for someone else while go ahead and just placing directly objective tokens on the scenario. Or there's the archer who will run away and send people away um, to farther range, and then he can affect them from farther range. Or there's the Shield Maiden, who gets powered up by having things actually get discarded, and then using a mace to bash people down and making heavy use of some of the combat tokens. So each one of them plays very differently, which really adds the replayability. Um... The solo game also plays very nicely if you don 't mind doing two handed when you 're doing one player when you 're doing it just with one hero i 'm not such a fan of that that's that's not that's not so nice to me but if you 're playing with two heroes, I do actually really like playing with two heroes and because you 're d- mixing up the different um play the different heroes um so you get a lot of replayability with that the uh, okay. the, the fact I'm just I'm just going through and listing them. If you, feel free to interrupt if you have any thoughts there, Albert. Okay. Um, but another one is I mentioned before that each of the that each of the characters and the scenarios has a story. The story usually, like I say, can be summarized to: I'm a good guy. I want to do good things in the world. He's a bad guy. He's doing bad things in the world. We'll go kill them. But so what? I mean, you can summarize it down to that. But in the end, they did go and make up a story for how each one of them works. And I like that they went through and they did that story. I like that they went through and did that story. Um, I like a lot of the components to the game. The fact that they made the tokens shaped and easily sorted and randomized everything and randomized the scenarios and the vocal art. The look of the game and the style of the game is very nice. Um, similar to Sentinels... If you're playing Sentinels multiplayer, um, it has the problem, and I put air quotes around it, problem, that each player plays their own game, essentially. So I'm sitting here playing, I do all my stuff, and I kill some bad guys, and I can tell you, hey, I can kill some of your guys, I can heal you, I can do some stuff and interact over with you. And you, on the other hand, are over here, and you're doing your own things. According to the rules of the game... I have to take my turn and you have to take your turn. Whenever I play this multiplayer, we have never done that. We've all been like, we're going to take our turns. If we ever have interactions that overlap, we'll announce that we have overlapping interactions and we'll talk about it then. Nominally, I'll go first for any overlapping interactions. Got it? Good. And so that's just what we decide and we all essentially just play on our own and then tell each other, what happened? Sometimes with a narrative, I went and killed Well, not with very much narrative, but I went and killed him. I <laughs> blew him away with a fire blast, or I froze him, or I shield bashed him and just completely blew him out. Because we're usually killing people in one turn kills, that's usually the extent of the narrative. But we'll go ahead and we'll just talk about it. So it has the problem that each of you can play your own game. For me, that is not a problem. For me, that's actually just fine. Because that means... I'm not sitting there waiting for the other guy. And he's not (laughs) sitting here going telling me what it is to do with my deck. My deck, I know what to do with my deck. I'm familiar with my deck, and my deck plays entirely differently than him. So I sit here and I play my game, and I have a lot of fun doing that, and we all are having a party and adventure together. And we do have some interaction, because we will look at the scenario. And so, for example, I'll bring up the zombie horde again. We can decide, well, do we want to try and enrage enemies and clear this off and do it in two turns? Or do we think we can do two turns and not en- not enrage them and take less damage? Which do you think? And so after two turns, we look at each other and we're like, "Uh, maybe we should have been <laughs> enraging them," <laughs> which is exactly what happened. Um, so you know, things like that things like that can happen, but I don't see that as a problem. To me, that's a benefit because each of them play differently. You don't have one person playing everyone and really sort of... The, the, the alpha player problem is and yep. is really very heavily mitigated because each deck plays very differently and really each player can be playing nearly simultaneously, which for me increases the fun of the game. Each game, each play of it is going to be a puzzle because you'll look at your hand and you'll look at your hero, your, your hero area and you'll look at it and you'll say... How can I, I I, I see this enemy has, I need to do six damage to him and four damage to him. I can ignore him until next turn. And then, or I can do this one and this is how much damage I need to do. And then I'll be like, well, I can use the regular action against him. And so it's a puzzle fitting in how to get all that damage in Hmm. and make it through.
1: And there's no randomness in the turn at all. And there's no You know, randomness you know the, the cards you have and you know what's out there.
0: Right. There's no die rolling for success. It's all deterministic. And so it just becomes a puzzle. And similar to Mage Knight, which is another game that's just a puzzle to figure out how to use your deck to maximum efficiency, that's exactly what this is. And to me, I liked the puzzle in Mage Knight. And honestly, once you get a hang on the mechanics of the game, once you can put away the rulebook, or you can use any of the nice um, player reference cards that are available on BGG, which sort of try and fix the rulebook a little bit. (laughs) Once you get over to those and you have the mechanics down, being able to look at your hand and figure out the solution to that puzzle can be satisfying. Quick, usually, because again, the one-turn kill thing. Um, But It's very satisfying to be able to look to that puzzle. So, the core of the game, that puzzle aspect, that I think they were trying to take inspiration from Mage Knight and having a puzzle and having the puzzle of your hand of how to do it. I think they did do it. I think they did manage to make that puzzle fun. There's just a lot of obfuscation, there's a lot of shadow. That you have to get through to get to that. All the card text, all the icons on the cards, all the bad rule book. You know, once you get mm-hmm. through to that, the puzzle of each hand is an enjoyable puzzle to play through. Being able to rush through and figure out how to do one turn kills for each scenario and get through and do a one-turn kill for the big bad guy. Is enjoyable being able to look through and I mean you, you when you're doing these puzzles you get access to the full range of your of your purchase pile of the of the upgrade pile and so you're like well if I get this card then I can do this 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 or if I get this card I can do this 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 and then you turn to the next and you're like oh but this card will let me do this this and so then sometimes you'll be like I'm gonna just buy this card and your other friend in multiplayer is like oh shoot I have the perfect solution to my puzzle going over here, but I needed that resolve token. Cause you have a shared set of resolve tokens. Mm-hmm. So the, the amount of upgrades you can do is limited by one to one other person. Knew. So it's like, Oh, yeah. but I need, I could have done that one. And so being able to share and do that puzzle, the puzzle of each hand succeeds. I like doing the puzzle of each hand that, that what, what essentially becomes really the core of the game, the player turn, is fun. Okay. That sounds neat. How long does the game t- last? A long time. <laughs> okay. Let's see here. What does what what do other people? I think that for me it's usually in the 2 to 3 hour range ish, I think. Okay. Ish I think. Yeah, it's pretty long. So it's a longer game. It's rated 120 minutes. So it's rated at 2 hours it's got a lot of text and a lot of rule books, so I'd say longer than that just because of the text and rule book weight. So, yeah, so I think it's two to three hours, two to three hours for me. Um, One minor addition, by the way, is that um, it does have a campaign mode. Which essentially is that you play through the scenarios one after the other and you'll get to carry over one special equipment card or borrow equipment cards from the other player and it's it's not super exciting. Okay. So I'm not going going deep into it. It's just not super exciting. Okay. So are you playing without the campaign or? I've played through with the campaign once. Okay. Essentially, what it meant for the campaign is that I did all the scenarios. It let me experience all the scenarios, which was the only real re- okay. which was the real reason I did it was a so that I could try and review it, and b um, to experience all the scenarios. But what it does is you get to bring over some of your rewards from the last game, and bring over some of you. You can borrow equipment from other characters, although well, I don't know why you would. But if you see some other character <laughs> has an equipment that you want, you can borrow their equipment. Um. And you can you can slightly change up the decks. For me I never borrowed other equipment because I always wanted the decks to be set so that I can pull it out and play a regular game with someone else. Um gotcha. so yep. I didn't I didn't really I didn't really do that, um, moving equipment around. But it it's it's not it's not huge it's not hugely amazing, the campaign game.
1: Okay. Yeah, okay. Well I mean it's it sounds
0: interesting. And it sounds it sounds gonna be challenged to get into the game. That's that's exactly what I'm saying, is that if you can get into I mean that's that's the summary of mine. If you can get into it, playing the game is fun. But there's a lot in the way of getting into it. And they really could have used just you know, just find some play testers and just do a sanity check on the cards and the rules. Just get a sanity check to make sure that it all makes sense and they didn't once you figure out how to understand the sense of it it's still fun but it's so hard to get to get it to make sense okay that's interesting so that's mistfall so are you going to play it now
1: (laughs) I don't I don't know, I don't think so. I need to have a lot more time. It's a sort of game where I could learn it over the holiday break or something if I'm not traveling. Mm-hmm. But
0: otherwise I just don't see me finding the time to play it. I mean I think it's just as difficult Ford to learn, it. perhaps more so than Mage Knight. I mean what I even find, you know, to me perhaps even humorous just in terms of it, is that you go and read uh Ricky Royal's or you go and watch Ricky Royal's videos of it, and he even got to stumble on some of the, the finer points of the rules. Hmm. you know which to me just further highlights there's there's broken stuff going on here so yep
1: yeah if the game if I can't play the game quickly I just don't have time to play it these days seems lately I have less and less time for, for solitaire gaming even so anything that lasts more than 45 minutes even an hour it's
0: hard to play okay yep well this is this is a longer game so that's that okay
1: well, all right, then. I think I think that's everything for this week. I think so, because uh, we're at another hour again. Oh, my gosh. Because it's already the next day. <laughs> <laughs> all right, folks. Thank you very much. Thank you very much.
0: And uh, thank you for bearing with me for the ranting and raving. And we hope you had a good Thanksgiving. All right. Good night.